3: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Ramadan Mubarak. It is Ramadan, the month-long religious tradition in which, as part of their spiritual practice, observant Muslims do not eat between dawn and sunset. Food, then, takes on a special and often celebratory meaning during this holy month. And the food prepared during Ramadan, whether it's suhoor, the pre-sunrise meal before the fast begins, or iftar, the meal eaten to break the fast, reflects the diversity of the Muslim diaspora here in the Bay. So, for this installment of All You Can Eat with Luke Sai, we talk with Bay Area Muslims about how they mark this time, how they break fast, and what it's like to keep your restaurant open overnight for that pre-fast meal. That's all coming up next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. It may seem counterintuitive to do a food show during the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, but for many families, Ramadan is a time of togetherness that brings out particular and beloved culinary traditions. Getting up earlier than the sun to eat a special omelet or gathering around a community table to break the fast, these rituals form the backbone of a month devoted to inner contemplation and community improvement. And the American Muslim community is composed of people from all over the world, which means that meals like this can both be a way of passing culture down, but also passing it across different communities within the faith. So, this morning, of course, we're joined by Luke Sai, who is part of our program here. All You Can Eat by Luke Sai. Welcome, Luke. Thanks so much, Alexis. And we've got two excellent tours. We're joined by friend of the show, Reem Asil, chef, author, activist. She's the owner of Reem's California, and she's the author of our beloved cookbook, Arabia. and a James Beard nominee for Outstanding Chef. Welcome, Reem.
4: Thanks for having me.
3: So good to have you back. Um, we also are joined by Hisham Abdel Fattan, founder and owner of El Halal Amigos, a Mexican restaurant located in the Willow Glen neighborhood in San Jose. Welcome, Hisham. Hey, how's it going? Hey, good, good, good. So I want to start out with your own traditions, you know, either, and we'll start with you either, you know, the ones you grew up with in your family of origin or ones you've adopted around this month. Um, like talk to me about those traditions.
4: Yeah. When I think of Ramadan, uh, it's it's twofold. One, those early morning wake-ups. Uh, <laughs> and every other part of the year, uh, my family never sat together for a meal for breakfast. But during the month of Ramadan, As hard as it was as a high school student being dragged out of bed (laughs) at sunrise and uh, nobody is really talking to each other, um, trying to get the coffee going. Um, But as we sit down and get sustenance in our body, um, it's just this really amazing feeling of family, especially for, you know, the fast pace of growing up in the U.S. Um, It's really nice. And then the second... Um, was there a food our, was it
3: like was it was there a particular thing where you're like okay You know
4: I very it was very different like if my mom really wanted to go all out we would have the the like arabic food that I remember the most was um ful which is a fava bean stew mm. um with bread obviously um <laughs> can't have an arab table without bread and uh you know some sort of eggs with fried cheese uh, mm. and then If, you know, we were more in a rush, it was cereal (laughs) and I (laughs) would do three, four bowls of it. Um, Yeah. But the other memory I have uh, is really the potlucks on the weekends, Mm -hmm. Um, whether we were people would take turns doing iftar because it's really an endeavor uh, with the fast pace of growing up in the U.S. to have like a full on meal. So people would switch off in the community and host potlucks and um, we would we would go to people's homes, but also in the mosque. I grew up in a very multicultural mosque, so I remember actually not Arab food, but Pakistani food. A lot of mm. um, the folks who went to my mosque, so I remember just big heaps of biryani and um, stews and roti and those kind of things. So those were really fun memories of growing up with the, in this month.
3: Yeah, and part, I mean, that multicultural nature is also just kind of a big part of the Muslim American experience in most places, it seems like. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hisham, how about you? Um, either you know, once you remember from childhood, or once you've you know created yourself.
5: Definitely. Um, to piggyback on what what Rima said, I, I share very similar experiences. Uh, a lot of what I during Ramadan is the educational fact of it being here on the West Coast in California, multicultural, but you know and never feeling the al- never feeling alone but being amongst family and mm-hmm. be, the fasting fasting growing up going to a high school going to middle school public schools and everybody's like oh you can't drink water you can't eat and you know but but then being able to educate why i'm not doing those things and learning from what my father has taught me about ramadan and why we do it it, it it's it's so beautiful to to say and <laughs> to give your body a break and to be spiritual with, with, with God, with Allah. And, um and then going home and being excited to get home, family gathering around the table, you know, we got things like and hummus and pita bread and, and, you know, you smell the food and you feel excited, you pray together. It's just a really peaceful time. And that's, it's really nostalgic in that way. Um, and then of course what uh, piggybacking with with what reem said going to going to the mosque and you know and everyone all these multicultural people coming together and and eating together being together it's it's a lot of fun it's fun
3: yeah <laughs> yeah that's a that's a peace fit that i i really love and you know i mean you grew up in a family filipino palestinian for this time of year did you make like adobo? Like, or did you try it? Did you go with more Palestinian <laughs> foods? Like, how did you how did you kind of interpret your own, you know, culinary traditions for this month?
5: Oh, yeah, we you know, what's great is that I'm half Palestinian, half Filipino. And so we get to venture off and try a lot of different things right at sunset, because um, eating one type of food, every single night can get really tiring and boring. So yeah, making things like Chicken adobo or or beef sinigang uh uh at at iftar time, or even my my father who is remarried to an Afghan woman, we would make things like Palau and and just venture off. And then I have a Mexican restaurant, so we would make a lot of Mexican food. And it, it's fun. It and the culinary aspect of it during Ramadan is that it, you cook together, your family's venturing off, trying new things, uh potlucks. It's yeah.
3: To answer your question <laughs> yeah yeah you know hisham how do you think of your spiritual practice during this month
5: i think it has to be super strong and in tune you have to have faith that you're going to when when working in the restaurant industry having to start super early you have to believe that what you're doing is forefront and we Reem understands i'm sure we have to start super early Uh, Before sunset, we have to eat as much as we can, but then we have to go straight to work. Mm. So all we have during this, during while the sun is out is our faith towards Allah and towards God to to, to help push us through not being able to eat or drink and stay patient and and fast and work and feed others. Mm. Um, So it is at the forefront. My faith is at the forefront trying to get through these hours. Yeah.
3: Reem, how do you sort of interpret the this month and your own, you know, internal spiritual
1: practice?
4: Uh, I often joke, um, I'm a chef anyways, we forget to eat until late in the evening. <laughs> 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 um, so the only difference is now you're um, you know, I think one of the things that really stuck with me um growing up, my my father um was really religious. Um, I did grow up in such a religious family, but he was really spiritual. And um, one of the things he always told me was that like, if you're not abstaining from all of the other things that are not serving you, you might as well be hungry. Like the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that. And that always stays with me. So for me, it's not just abstaining. From food, but it's the practice of abstaining from um, the practices. You know, we all have them. The mm-hmm. <laughs> um, practicing wise speech, really being cognizant of whether we're causing harm, you know, intentionally or unintentionally. Um, so for me, you know, my interpretation of this month is really about, you know, my spiritual purpose is to feed people. Mm -hmm. Um, in every sense right and so I really lean into that in this month I love Ramadan um, when it comes around because there are foods that only pop up during the month of Ramadan and I get to share that with my community Um, I remember when I was growing up fasting in uh, in in school and and the kids didn't understand like the best part was my mom coming in and doing a demo Mm -hmm. of like these dishes uh like Altaif you know which is like a pancake dumpling stuffed with cheese and walnuts and drenched in syrup like you only get that during Ramadan Mm -hmm. so anytime that that comes around so yeah these kind of special traditions that are like gateways into my roots um, I love that Uh, but yeah I think for me it's a time of just being much more intentional about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and you know how people are um, Mm -hmm. receiving it you know, do you think it um, changes... so? Yeah,
3: it's a really great time. Do, do you think in the month, does it change your relationship to food during that month or, you know, kind of in the time around it the rest of the year? I,
4: I think, you know, being a lover of food, I appreciate food a lot more now. Um, <laughs> it's it's the it's the sacred act of enjoying food more so than anything um, that I really I think you know, I think changes, you know, it's a good reminder, but, yeah. um, I, I think, you know, the act of the food is just a tool mm-hmm. <laughs> for us. You know, I remember going to, um, you know, I got the privilege of going to the Arab world, uh, during Ramadan in 2010. Mm-hmm. And that was an experience because, um, it's also the act of rest. Um, the whole world shut, the, <laughs> all of Syria shut down during those months of uh, uh, fasting. And when the sun came down, there was like not a car on the street, even the ca- you couldn't find a cab, you know? <laughs> so it's just like the act of, be resting, being with the family, slowing down, a break from capitalism. <laughs> That's my personal interpretation. Um so I think it changes my relationship more so to to work, right? And um why I'm do why I'm in the profession that I'm in.
3: That's so interesting. We're talking about Ramadan, the month during which observant Muslims who are able fast from Dawn to Sunrise, among other spiritual practices, and we're kind of looking at the culinary traditions and how this spiritual reset impacts a person's relationship to food. We're joined by Reem Asil, chef, author, and activist, owner of Reem's California, author of the cookbook Arabia, and a James Beard nominee for Outstanding Chef. We're also joined by uh, Hisham Abdel Fattah, uh, founder and owner of El Halal Amigos a Mexican restaurant located in Willow Glen neighborhood in San Jose. As always, for All You Can Eat, we are joined by Luke Sai, KQD's food editor. And we'd love to hear from you. What's your favorite culinary memory that you associate with Ramadan? Or maybe how has Ramadan changed your relationship to food or community or work, as Reem was just saying? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866 733 6786. The emails forum at kqed.org and you can find us on all the social media things. or are KQED Forum there. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break.
1: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Welcome
3: back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about Ramadan. We're talking about fasting. We're talking about breaking the fast. This is, of course, a holy month for observant Muslims and those who are able fast from dawn to sunrise. And so we're looking at some of the culinary traditions that uh, arise there. We're joined by Reem Asil, uh, owner of Reems, California, author of the amazing cookbook, Arabia, where I learned to make bread. Uh, We're also joined by Hisham Abdel Fattah, founder and owner of El Halal Amigos, a Mexican restaurant located in Willow Glen neighborhood in San Jose. And of course, because this isn't all you can eat, we've got Luke Sai, KQED's food editor. We'd love to hear from you. What's a favorite culinary memory that you associate with Ramadan or your family? What's your iftar table look like for breaking the fast? We'd love to hear that. Um, you can give us a call. The Numbers eight six six seven three three six seven eight six. That's eight six six seven three three six seven eight six. Can email those uh, answers to forum at kqed org, or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or kqed forum. Um, I wanted to uh, ask you, uh, Hisham. I mean, you're Filipino Palestinian. And you've embraced your Muslim faith. But in doing so, you also ended up wanting to have Mexican food that you couldn't because it wasn't halal. So can okay. you uh, tell us a little bit more um, about, you know, how you got to El Halal Amigos? And then we can talk a little bit more about Ramadan.
5: <laughs> I So I've always enjoyed cooking Mexican food for the past 15 years. It's my favorite Favorite food, favorite culture, favorite—all of that. Being a Filipino Palestinian, now I love my culture, I love my background, I love my parents. But you know, being here in San Jose, uh, California, traveling to LA a lot, having being immersed in the in the in the Northern California Mexican traditions, it was just always in front of me. And when I dove into Islam, uh, you know, eight nine years ago, I. Found myself not being able to eat tacos at a taco truck. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I think at, at the time I was working for a Mexican concept and I just ha- got this idea like, Hey, let's, let's do a taco truck that was fully halal, but authentic to the Me- Mexican traditions and Mexican food and um, had had traveling to Mexico a few times. I really wanted to bring all that out here for, for something for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then when um, I had this idea. I had the business plan going when 2020 hit, we got really, we got, we got locked down. A lot of my close friends I cooked with in the kitchen, couldn't receive financial you know, mm-hmm. aid or help. And mm-hmm. I just said, you know what guys, I don't have a lot of money, but we're going to do this. We're going to open a food truck and you know, everything is going to be for us and for you so we can survive. And it really took off because the people that work with me and you know, we, we cooked with our hearts and, We found ourselves having lines around the corner out in Fremont and around the corner. And it was a lot of fun. And we just we just did it. And uh, we're still doing it. We're still figuring it out. And
3: uh, yeah, this
5: is how we we are.
3: (laughs) So, you know, what makes, um, you know, what makes going halal difficult in Mexican food? Well, you don't you don't typically associate the
5: two although there are a lot of mexican muslims out there uh that we should recognize and there's a there are mexican halal places out there but um you know i just it just It's just not very, it's not really out, it's not really trendy yet. And so it, it was a niche.
3: And, well, and it also seems like, right, like that because lard and, and pig fat is like oh, a, definitely. a component, then you can't use that in a bunch of the things oh, that would definitely. otherwise be, right, you have to find these kind of substitutes.
5: Oh, yeah. You have to, you, you, you just have to pivot and you have to work with what you got. I mean, something we use for. In in place of lard or using manteca or using a halal manteca, is you you know you can find it in in brisket. We have a uh, brisket barbacoa. You know we can trim the fat. You know simmer it down and and use that for lard or uh, our our halal halal lard if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, um um you know halal manteca. So uh there's there's things we do to 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 pivot, but also create. Still, the authentic flavors that you know we're accustomed to having,
3: yeah. You know, Luke's eye, as we um hear Hisham talk, I mean, this feels like it's really firmly in the intersection of what the Bay Area really creates this incredible, rich, multicultural new traditions out of um all of these incredible ancient ones, definitely. Yeah,
7: abs- ab- absolutely. You know, I think. You know, when we look at the halal food scene in the Bay Area, it's it's the same thing we see all over um the Bay Area food scene. Um, just these wonderful sort of cross-cultural undercurrents um that happen really organically just as a result of Bay Area people growing up and appreciating um foods from all of these different cultures. Like I love Hisham's story of um being Palestinian-Filipino person who fell in love with Mexican food. And I remember um, the first time I heard of El Halal Amigos was um, very early on um, during the rise of the whole Quesa Birria trend um, here in the Bay Area, right? The, the, you know, the listeners probably by this point are familiar with those cheesy uh, beef birria um, tacos that now you see everywhere. But um, back in 2020, um, there was only a handful of places um, where you could find them. Um, and one of them was this like halal food truck in Fremont, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I and I just love that, you know, um, and I think, you know, Hisham's doing like more or less traditional Mexican food. Right. Um, but we also in the Bay Area, we see like more fusion expressions of that, too. Like just the other day, I for the first time, I went to this spot uh, called Afghan Burrito uh, in West Berkeley, where you get these like huge overstuffed burritos right but they're made like the meats have afghan seasoning um the rice is like afghan rice um it's halal friendly um they have this like secret golden sauce that they put on everything that they like they guard the recipe with their life like i i asked them and they wouldn't even tell me one ingredient <laughs> mm-hmm. um that goes in it um you know you, you have bis- you have um Businesses like Shawarmaji, which is one of my favorite uh, shawarma spots, this Jordanian shawarma um, place in Oakland, um, and the sh- the chef and owner of that business, I know uh, Reem's very familiar, um, they do all these cool collaborations where they kind of loan out their shawarma spit and allow chefs from all these different cultural backgrounds to kind of create their own version. So I think, you know, when you're looking at um, – halal food um food of um muslim people um in the bay area it just um has all of this great sort of multicultural cross-cultural um connections that that i love about the bay
4: area yeah we're talking about if i could just yeah go ahead uh, i was just gonna say if i could just add like the fact that we are one of the few places that serve halal food means that we're like a special haven for people who only eat halal you know Mm -hmm. um and that is really special because we remind people of home (laughs) um and that is kind of one of the core tenants at reams and and what brings us a lot of joy to be that you know be able to serve that niche population of folks from all different backgrounds
3: have you found it difficult ream to like build out the sort of supply networks that you need in order to be able to do that a day in day out you know, it, um, surprisingly, no. Halal
4: has become a lot more accessible. Halal meets and um, approachable. And, you know, if we can, uh, maybe Hisham and I can uh, collaborate on building a halal farm that is hyper-local, <laughs> that would be the next step. But um, yeah, I think more and more people are moving towards halal. Also, just because it's of the health benefits, um, it's a more, you know, that uh, halal, should, is 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 used to describe the way in which animals are, um, you know, uh, slaughtered uh, for for eating, and it's a spiritual act and it's a humane act. So in and of itself, it's a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people who are eating with their values and shopping with their values, I think, kind of align with that. So Muslims and non-Muslims alike.
3: We're talking about Ramadan, the month during which observant Muslims who are able fast from dawn to sunset, among other spiritual practices. We're joined by Reem Asil, chef, author, activist, owner of Reem's California, author of the cookbook Arabiya. Uh We're also joined by Hisham Abdel Fattah, founder and owner of El Halal Amigos, Mexican restaurant in San Jose. And let's bring in some callers. We've got uh, Lubna. Welcome.
8: Thanks for having me. I love your show, and thank you for um, doing a special show about Ramadan. I appreciate that. Um, I just wanted to um, talk about how when I was growing up, I was growing up in the local Bay Area, Palo Alto. There was a really small Muslim community, and Mm -hmm. we'd invite each other, and it was just a small amount of people. and The the moms would cook just the foods that that were familiar to us, and one of the dishes was pakoras, and... um, I never really learned about it or wanted to really learn how to make it. It's like this Indian fritter dish. It's really uh, delicious. And
3: it's I was served Googling with, over um, here. Yeah.
2: Chutney.
8: <laughs> yeah, it's served with chutney. And now people even like it with ketchup. It's pretty funny. But um, when, when I had kids, I decided I better learn this because I wanted to also invite people over and kind of celebrate the month and serve something that I grew up with. And now, of course, mm. the community is much bigger. Most Muslims around us or, you know, our parties are much bigger. But it's that, just that feeling is just more the feeling. And it's, it's the food, but it's also the feeling of being mm. able to kind of break fast with other people at the same exact moment.
3: Mm. And how do you handle those uh, the early mornings that uh, Reem was talking about? <laughs> talking to us. Yeah. About?
8: yeah, no, it, exactly. It's, it's, it's definitely not the easiest to wake up. And you definitely do want to eat something and drink something because it's it's hard to skip that meal and go on with it and plus you should and also um so so basically you know just kind of i i, I don't get up i don't i don't stop drinking caffeine i just drink it in the morning in the early morning i have a little bit of headache medicine ten advil that really helps me and then that that usually helps me get through the day but um it's it's hard to be motivated to eat when there's no light outside definitely
3: yeah. Yeah. Thank you uh, so much, uh, Lubna, for sharing that experience. You know, Reem, you know, she brought up her her children. I know you got a little one um, at home. How do you see, you know, transmitting, you know, not just like the foods or the traditions, but some of the ideas? Like, how have you try to, like, package that up?
4: <laughs> My child is five, but he's going on 40. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny to kind of explain Ramadan to him i've been starting to to describe it and um yeah i think the best way uh you know i mean one of the things at the end of Ramadan is the reward that you get which is the eid al fitr um uh in which families get together and children get gifts and you know it's really that's really celebratory because you've all been through a month of struggle together so um yeah, I focus on the hard work and then at the end you get this whole celebration. And um I think that's fun for him to hear. Um, I love that Hisham is Palipino, my son is Palipino and <laughs> um that's really exciting for me to, you know, be able to teach him not just the traditions of Arab food ways, but also Filipino food ways. Um and yeah, this is uh, uh, unfortunately he is at an age where he doesn't eat much uh but um it's a chance we we did a cooking show for a um refugee uh fundraiser um for the Syria earthquake and uh we made a together so he got to, he loves pancakes so he got to see that and understand that that is actually a food of his culture so you know slowly but surely and i'm sure as he gets older and gets into school and practices fasting i remember i was 7 years old i was a real overachiever you know in um in the muslim faith you you when you're kind of an a, a technical adult i think uh kids start fasting whole days at 13 but i was really ambitious and i you know, wanted to start with half days and my parents were like, you don't have to do that. Like, uh, but uh, I really, you know, wanted to take on the challenge and I kind of have a feeling my son is going to be the same way because we're from the same cloth. So um it'll be fun um to watch him growing up. And yeah, I think it is, it is hard in, in these, you know, and sometimes, you know, we want the village, but the, Uh, it can be very isolating in America. So we have to really be intentional about how we create those spaces, especially if our children come from several different backgrounds. Yeah. So that's something that I'm really committed to doing. And um, there are a lot of Muslims in the Philippines too. So there's like a very specific Muslim Filipino culture, I think, um, that, you know, we have yet to learn about. Yeah.
3: We're talking about the holy month of Ramadan during which observant Muslims who are able fast from dawn to sunset. I uh, misspoke earlier and said sunrise. Obviously, it wouldn't be um, the same kind of a, a challenge in spiritual practice to go from dawn to sunrise, dawn to sunset. Um, and we're looking at some of the Ramadan culinary traditions and how this kind of spiritual reset impacts people's relationship to food and their their cultures. Joined by uh, Ree Masil. Hisham Abdel Fattah and Luke Sai, KQED food editor. And we're also taking your calls on your favorite culinary memories associated uh, with Ramadan. Or maybe you can tell us what your Iftar table looks like here in our extremely multicultural Bay Area. And give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram were KQED forum. Um, Hisham, I wanted to ask you about what your restaurant does. You know, kind of to adjust operations um, during the month of uh, Ramadan.
5: Oh yeah, we we prepare weeks in advance to stay open later. So several things that happen is that educating uh, my team. Majority are not Muslim, and a lot of them are on board, and they love it. That it's a fun. Uh, we make it a very fun thing. We prepare dates to give out during iftar. Uh, so right at seven o'clock, we have a bunch of dates set up uh, to hand out to anyone who needs to break fast. Um, and then we we stay open an extra hour uh, throughout the week. And every weekend, so this Friday will be open till midnight. And on the weekend, this Saturday will be open till three a.m. for sahur. Uh, sahur is breakfast, and we will be able to. Uh, give out things like um, halal beef. Uh, I'm sorry, halal uh, breakfast burritos with halal beef bacon, and we're super excited to to uh, we make it a fun atmosphere. And last year when we did this, and every year that we've done this, it's just it's 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 like a very fun holy party. I mean, everyone comes and it's a line out the door down the street till 3 a.m. And you know we're working and we're ready.
3: Yeah, something. I mean how many people, it really like is a ton of people show up at that time. Um, how do you get the word out or is it just that word spreads because there's not that many places to sort of engage in this kind of communal experience? Social media.
5: Uh, we're, you know, we, we go on things like Bay area, halal foodies <laughs> and we post there, which is on Facebook. It's a group that anyone can join. And, um, and then also Instagram, TikTok. it's all free marketing. And we, we, we put it out there. I throw my whole my own, I throw my whole self out there and I'm like, Hey guys, we're going to be open. Da, da, da. And it's, 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 it's a lot of, you know, it's, it's fun to do to make those videos and get people excited <laughs> while they're hungry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, he one of the uh, funny things I was thinking, you're a guy who clearly like gets in the gym and works out. How do you do it during this time period? Like, is it, is it difficult <laughs> to like figure that out?
5: Oh man. Um, Yes. <laughs> so, uh, the workout sessions go less during this, this time, but uh, I, when I can, um, it was easier when I was younger, but when uh, more young, uh, I go usually after the first meal of iftar and then uh, right after the, fir- the prayer and I'll work, I'll work out at night. Mm-hmm. You, I, I try um, if I'm not a flat tire.
3: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, we are talking about the holy month of Ramadan, during which observant Muslims who are able fast from dawn to sunset, among other spiritual practices. Joined by Hisham Abdel Fattah, founder and owner of El Halal Amigos, Mexican restaurant located in the Willow Glen neighborhood there in San Jose. Also, Reem, a seal, chef, author, and activist, owner of Reems, California, author of the amazing cookbook, Arabiya. And we're joined by Luke Sai, KQD's food editor, taking more calls after the break. on sort of What does your Iftar table look like? Uh, if you're part of a religious tradition that fasts, how do those time periods kind of change your relationship to your culinary traditions or, or food overall? You can give us a call the Numbers the number 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Welcome back to Forum. We are talking about the food and fasting of Ramadan. Joined by Reem Asil, chef, owner of Reem's California, author of the cookbook Arabiya. Hisham Abdel Fattah, founder and owner of El Halal Amigos. And Luke Sai, KQED food editor. Let's uh, go to the phones. Uh, Mohammed in Sacramento, welcome.
9: Good morning. Uh, how are you?
3: Doing well. Thanks for calling.
9: Thanks. Uh, I really love your show. It's a great show. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, especially about, you're talking about Ramadan, it's actually a month of uh, discipline. uh, You know, uh, fasting is not only like uh, abstaining from uh, food and uh, water and other activities, but actually teaches Muslim discipline. Mm -hmm. How to feel, how to uh, adjust, you know, give a break to the body, uh, basically, after working 11 months around the clock and then just give it a break to the whole system, Mm -hmm. digestive system a little bit. Mm. So it's uh, not only as a spirituality, but it's actually discipline. Mm. Uh, to teaches discipline, to just perseverance, uh, to just how the other few people that they don't have anything to eat uh, most of the days. And it gives us a, that opportunity to feel that kind of hunger uh, and basically, uh, you know, give us respect for those people as well. Mm-hmm. And doing the star that we have is uh, usually you have a star every Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Sacramento area. We are serving around seven, anywhere from five hundred to seven hundred people. Wow. And is, it's just amazing to see people from all different walks of life are coming, enjoying. It's just a very I mean a special moment, especially tar doing iftar in Sahoor. It's just it's just an amazing experience. Mm-hmm that uh, people are experiencing and um, in the past 2 weeks uh, several people converted to islam basically they came in this hall it's just you know the gathering the the enjoyment the jubilation and um, the excitement so it's, it's, it's a month of basically uh, perseverance discipline respect and this is from yeah any uh, point of view, we can talk. This is a month of a very, uh, it's a month of uh, first of all the spirituality because the Quran was revealed to Prophet Muhammad, Sassalam and every mas- uh, every mosque or masjid you go, people are praying as a uh, long night prayers. People mm-hmm. are reciting Quran, which is very serene and peaceful. It gives a lot of peace into heart and minds, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: yeah. Hey, Muhammad, how did um, when you were growing up? How did your family observe Ramadan?
9: When I grew up my family uh, basically they observed Ramadan and I started when I was 9 basically mm. I started slowly gradually you know they taking fasting one you know one day a week or two days a week or you know so gradually increased more basically that's how I grew up with the Ramadan it's, it's it's very fun for me I mean it's very interesting it's very mm. peaceful it's a very peaceful month actually mm. it, it gives me a lot of Gratification and peace and uh, harmony brings yeah. in
3: life. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing your experience of um, of this month with us, Mohammed. Really appreciate that, and thanks for, uh, Thank for listening you so to the Thank you so much,
9: show. and I really appreciate it. I wish you have a nice day. Yeah.
3: Um, one listener also wants to invite everyone to try out different Ramadan foods at Sahoor Fest on Saturday night, April 8th, from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. That's down in Santa Clara. So Sahur um, Fest. Are you guys going to be there, Hisham? Yes, we're gearing up the food truck to be at Sahur Fest at the
5: MCA in Santa Clara on April 8th from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. There's going to be eight other vendors there. It is a ton of fun. All halal foods, different types of cultured food, different types of anything from American to Mexican, which and and, uh, uh, brisket sandwiches. It's going to be fun. Um, And we're gearing up for it.
3: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, Reem, do you all do anything special at Reem's California during this time or have you have you thought about it?
4: Yeah, um, so we, uh, I am like really impressed by the South Bay folks. Y'all know how to do it because <laughs> it's <laughs> like, you know, it's like part of it is like, sahur is actually the all night eating <laughs> mm. and and celebrating, like it just reminds me of the Arab world. So to be able to recreate that in the US is really fun. Um, but yeah, so I'm like some, some sparks are flying for me up in my head, but, um, at Reams, we, we always come out with Ramadan specials. So we have, um, things that pop up in our menu yearly, the al especially, which is the dumplings i was talking about they're they're these pancakes that are stuffed with um cinnamon and walnuts and orange blossom water and coconut and they're fried and drenched in syrup and they're just divine we make those um at my my prep cook knows like two weeks before ramadan she's a She's an atayef making machine. Mm-hmm. Um, those are available at Reams, and I'll say shout out to Shawarmaji too because uh, they'll be available for East Bay folks over there. Um, we're also rolling. Uh, we have Ramadan bread, so a lot of you know, us special breads that are served during Ramadan that um, we're serving at the bakery for this month. So you can stock up on those special breads, um, and then we we're starting something um, this month. This this year, um, special Ramadan uh, iftar specials, uh, dinners that are a little bit more hearty, traditional. Um, This week, we're starting with a traditional Palestinian dish called musakhan, which is kind of the original format of our pali kali, which is a fun take on a beloved Palestinian dish for all Palestinians. But it's basically um, chicken legs, brined in sumac for 24 hours and confit. Mm. It's like really delicious and so um we'll have that weekly special from Thursday to Saturday and you know encouraging folks to make reservations at Reem's um next week it'll be uh, a lamb stew with yogurt sauce and the the Wait, What third was the wheat, name of the, the most chicken
3: again? Reem.
4: Musachan Musachan Yeah. Uh, it, uh and uh, you know we have the rendition of it called the pali cali which is palestine meets california Uh, we throw some arugula and avocado and there you go um but um yeah but next week it'll be a lamb stew the the third week which is actually a really important week it's like the home stretch of ramadan um we're doing like a whole roasted fish so really celebratory meal uh dinner specials um and really encouraging we want that iftar vibe at reams um but that's that's uh maybe I, i i'm gonna call up armaji maybe we could do some
3: do something uh, together. kind yeah. of
4: match up the south
3: South Bay folks because they know where it's at yeah, yeah um let's go to uh Amin in Santa Clara welcome
10: yeah hi thanks for the call uh, great subject and thanks for talking about it um I want to talk about uh, how Ramadan helps me and our family especially to uh, in addition to getting disciplined about food but also disciplined about time um so, um, mm-hmm. so with all these extra devotional activities in the morning, the morning schedule. At night, our family spends a good two to three hours every night in this month at the local mosque with the extra prayers and stuff, and more so on the weekends. Uh, but for the most part, um, for our work, for for school, um, we we try to keep it at par, as in perform at the same level and deliver the tasks and what what's due. Um, so, so all the kind of the mindless, uh, looking at social media or whatever else kind of just that's auto curated. Um. And, and at the end of the month, when all these extras are gone, I, I personally feel a huge productivity, uh, boosted. like, okay, I have all these extra hours and I can do so much more. Um, of course, or through the next 11 month that kind of goes back to quote unquote normal, um, uh, I'd also like to share my favorite dish. Um, yeah. It's not really a dish. It's actually a drink. Um, a very simple drink. Um, milk infused with this rose water called Ruh uh, it's It comes from India and Pakistan. And um, it's an amazing drink. It's uh, my, my kids love it. They call it the pink milk. Uh, <laughs> super refreshing. And uh, there are other, other uh, incarnations of it also, but in the simplest form, it's just a uh a, a two uh, a tablespoons in, a, in in a cup of water, and that just makes uh, makes up for the fast.
3: Yeah. I, I also had pink milk, but I think it was like Nestle strawberry milk, and what you're describing <laughs> sounds far superior uh, to what I thought mm-hmm. of as, as yeah. pink milk um, yeah. growing up. It's
10: uh, also a 100-year-old recipe. And, and believe it or not, there are people in the world who would swear by it if if your car breaks down and they put two of them in it it 'll start working
3: <laughs> I love that I mean uh, thank you so much for uh, for the memories and and also for um, just you know sharing your your practice with us. Yeah, I mean Reem, you kind of noted this a little bit earlier, but in different parts of the Muslim world, kind of the world itself adjusts to sort of make this easier and and make uh, the communal aspects kind of engage everyone. In the U.S., it's quite different, right? Because you have to kind of adapt your practice to the world in, in this other way.
4: Absolutely. I just remember, I mean,
3: the,
4: the stark memory I had was moving from, um, you know, my hometown to college. Uh, and... You know, having to make that community—it's—it's uh, it's different when you're in the midst of finals, and uh, at that time, uh, it was the—the the sun was setting at like four o'clock. <laughs> it was really dark and dreary, and I was in the midst of uh, the blizzards of Boston. Um, so, yeah, it's just—you have to really, really be intentional about making those spaces and finding the people and. It was really fun. You know, I joined the Arab Students Association and um, the Muslim Students Association, and they would just host these iftars, and it wouldn't just be Muslims. It would be non-Muslims as well, and it was kind of fun just being able to build community through that month. But you certainly have to be more intentional about it.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's bring in Ali in Santa Clara. Welcome. Hi, good morning,
0: and thank you for... uh having me here um great topic uh, very um you know very uh, top of mind these days for all of us who are also trying to balance work uh and you know this part mm-hmm. of life uh so yeah thank you for bringing this up um i totally plus one on the rule of part that amin mentioned earlier mm-hmm. i think it's one of those things and my kids also have a name for it Uh, But yes, we totally wait for it. And it's one of those uh, exciting moments when you break your fast and uh, take that in. It really (laughs) rejuvenates you. (laughs)
6: Um,
0: I also wanted to just highlight um, what fasting does. And, uh, you know, basically it's, uh, you know, it creates, uh, it helps you gain God consciousness, I feel. And um, that's what actually we've been told that, you know, it gives you God consciousness. And also fasting is the only form of worship, which is just, Like, you know, it's kind of invisible. It's just between you and God, and nobody can really observe that you're, you know, in an act of uh, worship, because everything else that you have to do um, is sort of evident, be it charity, be it, uh, you know, feeding others or anything like that. But for uh, when it comes to fasting, it's just between you and God, and nobody knows that you're actually doing it. So it's pretty cool.
3: Mm. I love that. That's a beautiful way of of uh, thinking about it, Ali. Thank you so much for that. And it is something shared across so many um different religious traditions. Let's um I, I'm loving hearing all these calls. We're gonna keep um Nadia in uh San Francisco, welcome.
2: Hi, can you hear me?
3: Yeah, sure can. Go ahead.
2: Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having this show. Um uh, this is awesome. I just wanted to share that um. I think you guys captured like the spirit um, and soul of Ramadan in this talk. And I wanted to share that (laughs) we were five kids born and raised in SF and we played a lot of sports and my mom is an avid sports fan and was a soccer mom. So during Ramadan, (laughs) (laughs) fasting was not an excuse. So she would take us to all our games and then she would sit in the stands and then tell us like it's time and our coaches would know. So they would like either take us out Um, or we'd be doing, you know, halftime or something. And then we would eat our dates, drink a bunch of water, have our power bars, and then go back in the game. And then afterwards, we would go home, feast, and then uh, go to, like, the night prayer at the mosque, which a lot of the mosques in SF really serve as, like, community centers. So it was an opportunity for kids to stay up late and have a lot of fun. (laughs) So I just wanted to share that, you know, there was, I think, depending on what city you grew up in um, and, you know, what town, like your experience uh, varies and everyone has a a twist to it, depending on on where they were and and what they were doing in their life. So it was like spiritual and physical uh, boot camp, but we knew it was only for a limited time. And yeah, build a lot of stamina.
3: Nadia, what I love about it, too, is I think, you know, from the outside, maybe because it's about fasting, people think of the aspects of deprivation and, like, you know, spiritual purification. But also, so many kids remember it as such a fun time, too, and then pass that on uh, through their families. I love that. Thank you, Nadia. Um, um, Hey, Luke, you know, there's also a bunch of different kinds of restaurants um, not just, you know, ones that serve, um, you know, food from the Arab world, but all over the sort of Islamic diaspora. Um, what are uh, some of the others that you might people might want to know about? Yeah, absolutely. You know,
7: and I think, you know, you you sort of nodded to the multicultural aspect of this, even just at the top of the hour. Right. But I remember when I was living in Taiwan, uh, one of my favorite restaurants was this halal beef noodle soup restaurant <laughs> that served this like amazingly wholesome clear broth style of beef noodle soup and these like tortilla-like flatbreads um, that you'd stuff full of shredded beef um, that was like so awesome. Um, and so like here in the Bay Area, too, we have like the Muslim, uh, we have Islamic uh, Chinese restaurants. We have Uyghur restaurants um, with roots in like the Xinjiang region. Um, we have like halal indonesian restaurants you know um just to shout out one specific spot um one of my favorite chinese restaurants in san francisco is old mandarin islamic which i think probably a lot of our readers are familiar with um there was just a really nice profile of them on eater sf um and they've been open for three decades now and they're very proud of that um uh muslim aspect of the restaurant um and if you want uh, to eat uh if if you want to break fast with some delicious cumin spiced lamb, um like that's the place to go. And I think um, in the eater profile, uh the the, the young uh, sort of second generation owner talked about how they make these kind of date paste filled mochi um that he specifically said are are really popular for people who want to break fast um during Ramadan. So I think, you know, uh, this is a great time of year just to expand Mm -hmm. our vision of, Mm -hmm. of what, uh, Islamic food traditions might be. Um, and, and really of the whole Muslim world.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, part of the Ramadan tradition is also to, to give back. It's part of kind of the spirituality of the month. Um, what are you all are all doing if you're, if you're doing something around that?
5: Oh yeah, definitely. We, we want, We started our business by giving back, but during Ramadan, we give back tenfold. So I've we've uh, partnered up with Islamic Relief USA uh, with the help of Hanin, um, who is a representative, and we are giving back uh, a portion of our proceeds for the whole month. So you come and eat our restaurant. A portion of our proceeds is going to go to the massive um, earthquakes that happened in Turkey and Syria. And all of those victims that happened out there, it was it's it's terrible, and we need to always give back in order to receive, in order to move forward. So, uh, Sadaka is something that is big during Ramadan um, uh, to share and to give. Uh, so, at we try our best even without Ramadan uh, to always know that th- to to inform our customers that whenever you eat at El Halal Hel- Amigos, there's something that we're giving back to. Yeah. Reem, you want anything real quick
3: you want to share on that score before we head out?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have our forward program um, where um, folks throughout the year have uh, basically paid $10 to pay it forward for us to subsidize meals for disenfranchised communities. And we always have a big Ramadan meal that we um, partner with folks in the Tenderloin or mm-hmm. um, the Arab Iraq, uh, Arab Resource and Organizing Center to be able to provide those meals free of charge. So yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm going around doing a lot of earthquake relief right now. That's like where a lot of the attention is. And yeah. um, for Syrians, they're not getting that relief.
3: So we need to make sure that we're taking care of them too. Yeah. Yeah, We've been talking about the holy month of Ramadan and its cultural and culinary traditions. We've been joined by Reem Asil, owner of Reem's California, author of the cookbook, Arabia. Hisham Abdel-Fattah has also joined us, founder and owner of El Halal Amigos, Mexican restaurant in San Jose. And we've had Luke Sai, of course, because this is an edition of All You Can Eat. He's our KQED food editor. Thank you so much to all of our callers and listeners who shared their traditions with us. I really loved hearing that. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for Another Hour Ahead with Mina Kim.
6: Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation.
1: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.